I'm Sharon Batters, and I'm so happy you joined us for this Help and Hope conversation. With me is Melissa Weissenfels, our Executive Director, and we are going to be talking with Christina Fox today about her new book, Sufficient Hope, which at first I thought was designed for young mothers, but I'm a grandmother and I love it. I wish I had it when I was a young mother, and I can't wait to share it with my friends of all ages. Christina is a prolific writer, she is a mother, she is a speaker, and she enjoys talking with other women, conferences, seminars. If you're looking for a speaker, Christina is a good, good choice. We'll have all of her contact information on our website. So Christina, thank you so much for being with us today. And before we jump into our topic of Sufficient Hope for Mothers, why don't you tell us a little bit about your life right now? Thanks for having me back. I'm excited to chat with you guys again. Well, like most women, I lead a full life, busy life. Um, I've been married for almost 23 years to my husband, George. We met my freshman year of college at Covenant College. In fact, my first semester. We have two sons, one of which I'm homeschooling. I'm in the season of life where my primary role right now is that of chauffeur. It feels like I spend more time in the car than I do anywhere else. But when I do have free time, I serve as the editor of the PCA Women's Ministry blog, Encourage. I'm also on the National Women's Ministry team as regional advisor of the Southeast. I also serve on the advisory board at Covenant College and sit on one of their um, scholarship committees. And as you mentioned, I am a writer. I consider myself a devotional writer. By that, I mean... I write to encourage greater devotion to God uh, in readers. I love to help readers see how the gospel applies to all areas of life. Um, And I have written for a number of Christian ministries, including Ligonier, TGC, Desiring God, Revive Our Hearts. Another thing I enjoy doing is speaking at women's ministry retreats, as you mentioned. Um, I just really enjoy interacting with women in the context of church community and just helping them grow in their faith. I'm also taking some classes at RTS. So as I said, I have a full and busy life. (laughs) Well, as I'm listening to you, Christina, I'm, uh, I want to know what vitamins you take. (laughs) A lot, actually. (laughs) Yeah, I have my own batch, but I don't think I'm taking the right cocktail based on what you're (laughs) saying. But Uh, With us is Melissa Weissenfels, and I feel the same way about Melissa. Um, Melissa has a very active life. She is our executive director for Mark Inc., and she is uh, amazing in her passion for the Lord and for offering help and hope to others. So, Melissa, can you share with us a little bit about your life as well? Absolutely. I, um, as I was listening to you speak, minus all the writing elements, I'm right there with you. I spend a tremendous amount of time in my car. I'm a parent of two children, ages 10 and 11 currently, new to the middle school world mm-hmm. um, and activities and juggling just life and marriage and trying to find that really great balance of service and discipleship and One of the best things that I enjoy about the books that you write being from that devotional standpoint is it turns your gaze back to Jesus. So um, I'm excited to have this discussion today as we dig into Sufficient Hope. When I was thinking about parenting, I mean, I always wanted to be a mother. I couldn't wait to hold my babies and having four children and now 14 grandchildren. 
of course, I had this vision of how sweet and not easy. I knew it would be hard, but I, I certainly did not understand the challenges that were facing me. And Christina, you start out your book talking about your own challenges that hit you almost immediately after the birth of your first child. Why don't you tell us about that? Yes, I do. I begin um, the book just with a story about my struggle with postpartum depression. That was something I experienced after both boys, and it did hit me hard. But in the book, I share how the Lord used a conversation with my pastor to point me to the hope that I have in Christ. And it was that conversation that really opened my eyes to really think through what does the gospel have to say to all the circumstances in my life? I found myself kind of gradually over time just asking myself that question, what does the gospel have to say to this, to whatever was going on in my day? And it was out of this that I wanted to encourage other moms to look at their own circumstances through the lens of who Christ is and what he has done. How does our view of the gospel affect parenting? So, I, I mean, I think a lot of people think, well, I'm saved. I know Jesus. So, okay. I'll just try to be as good as I can be. But what you're saying, I think, has a different application. How would you describe the difference that seeing parenting through the good of the gospel makes? I think the reason why the conversation I have with Pastor was so eye-opening for me is that I, I mean, I grew up in the church and, you know, heard the gospel so many times, but I guess I never really realized that it doesn't just give me hope for eternity, it gives me hope in the here and now as well. And I learned to see that it covers everything in my life. The truths of who Jesus is in his perfect life lived for us and his sacrificial death and the fact that he's interceding for me even now. All of these things really give me hope in even the small things of life. So, you know, for example, you know, who Jesus is and what he has done is significant you know, even when I'm just weary and worn in my mothering, or when I'm worried and fearful for my children, or when I'm feeling lonely, uncertain about my life and feel helpless, the truths of the gospel intersect in all those circumstances. They remind me that Christ is my wisdom, that he is strength, he's my joy, he's my hope. Because of his perfect life lived for me, I know that he is everything that I can't be. So what that means is his sacrifice covers my sin and failures as a mom, um, that his perfection is stands in for me when I can't be the mother that I want to be. And the gospel also reminds me that he's at work in me even now, transforming me into his likeness. So there's great hope in all of those things. And that's kind of what I focus the book on is, realizing uh, the truths of what Jesus came to do have great impact in all aspects of life. Melissa, you as a young mother, as you're listening to Christina, do any situations come to mind where you just kind of thought you were losing your mind and the view of the gospel, viewing the gospel, viewing your parenting through the view of the gospel might 
change the way that you would respond in that really dark place? Yes, just listening to you both, actually. Um, you know, I think um, to go back a little bit in the conversation, we approach entering motherhood with such anticipation and excitement and joy. And for me, once my children arrived, it was more of the freight train of reality than it wasn't an easy joyful transition. I did not experience the diagnosis of any postpartum depression, although I know many people do, and oftentimes it's even undiagnosed and it is masked or considered to be, you know, just fatigue or just exhaustion and loneliness and just a shift of responsibility. But I think there's a a point where we need to probably come alongside our sisters and have a little more realistic conversation when we're preparing to become mothers of one or more children at any given time. Because those early years in particular, I'm sure Sharon can remember them well, and you don't forget them, but it's so life-changing. It truly is life-changing. And all of a sudden you start to lose track of your kind of purpose and identity and it's diapers and crying and, and all you feel like all you're doing is laundry. And, you know, why... Why are these mundane tasks so difficult and so unfulfilling when this is a precious gift from God and this amazing thing that I've wanted my whole life to become a mom and all of a sudden it's, it's really um, challenging and causes, to be quite frank, you know, pain and sadness. So I think having that, that rooted gospel of hope, that sufficient hope um, in front of you each day is life transforming because it gives you something to to come back to on the daily basis, even in the mundane. And I would also say that I feel one of the biggest hurdles when you have young children is making and carving out that time to stay in the word. Um, And I think for myself, that was probably one of the most difficult things is, you know, you're just looking for that time in the word. Everyone's telling you, read the word and journal. And it's like, I don't even have the energy to take a shower. So, and that slips away. And that's what's so great about a book like yours. And I'd love for you to talk more about how you unpack it in this, in these meditations in Sufficient Hope to really give people an opportunity, even though maybe a small dose of of the gospel each and every day, it can transform the way you approach motherhood. And as I'm getting into these older years, I'm sure it's going to be, you know, present itself in a different way. And of course, Sharon, looking at grandchildren and how you can really kind of shepherd their hearts. But Christine, if you could just talk a little bit about in the midst of those kind of failures and being impatient, how you can apply that, that message. So sufficient hope is, as you mentioned, has meditations. And so I set it up as not lengthy chapters, like a typical chapter book, but smaller portions, which I think is uh, more ideal for those of us in the busy season of motherhood. And the first two chapters just kind of focus us on, you know, getting a common definition of the gospel. What is that? And then the rest of the book just applies that to different situations. And they're brief meditations, for example, focusing on our expectations in motherhood, our worries, maybe when we've sinned against our children or when we're just completely worn and exhausted. And so each meditation focuses on a different circumstance or situation that moms deal with on a regular basis and um, just applying the gospel, asking the question, what does the gospel have to say to this? 
And um, so that's really how it's, how it's laid out. There might be someone listening who doesn't even know what we're talking about when we talk about the gospel. Can you give us kind of like a nutshell um, summary of the gospel in just layman's language? So I'm, a lot of times when we think of the gospel, we just think of, okay, belief in what Jesus did by dying on the cross for our sins. And that is certainly part of it, but I encompass including the fact that Jesus was born, his incarnation, the fact that he left um, heaven and came to earth and took on human flesh. So I'm, that's part of that whole definition in his birth, his life, all that he did in living a perfect life is included in that definition. His resurrection is included in that definition. There's something else he did for us in conquering sin and his resurrection and his ascension. By ascending, he uh, is able to intercede for us even now. So just kind of that whole spectrum from, from his incarnation to his ascension into heaven, that all of that is encompassed in my you know, how I'm defining the gospel. And so I point back to those things uh, throughout the, ch- the meditations. Okay, remember that while we may sin in our anger, you know, Christ lived that perfectly for you, his love, or thinking through his sacrifice for us, or how his resurrection gives us hope. So all of that is encompassed in So I want to describe a real life situation where the day starts off really bad, you uh, get up late, your kids could care less about getting ready for school, got to pack lunches the night before, your husband has left you a list of five or six things that he wants you to get done that day, and you just don't even know how you're going to do it, because after all, you have Bible study to lead, or you are have some other good thing in your life that you wanted to do, maybe get together with some friends, and you figure that's not going to happen. How does the gospel help you deal with a morning like that? What difference does it make to view those circumstances through the grid of the gospel? You mean in those, is it terrible, no good, awful, very bad day or whatever it is? <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's like uh, almost, almost every day <laughs> in a lot of ways, those unexpected events that just kind of cut into your life. You know, you've, you've got your, your uh, expectations for the day and you get interrupted and flipped inside out and um i mean the gospel does speak to that i mean it those i think those kind of days really remind us that we need a savior that we can't we can't do life on our own you know sometimes when our plans do kind of work the way we want we are forgetful that we are weak and um simple and that we don't have everything under control and so when those kind of things come up we're reminded uh, I'm, I'm dependent on, on someone else, and I, I really need a savior who can step in and be perfect for me, because right now I just feel like yelling or crying <laughs> or whatever, and so we can appropriate those truths in our hearts at that moment, remembering who Christ is for us, and that he is wisdom for us in that moment, and his strength for us in that moment, he's... Um, it's even our joy in that moment where it feels like there isn't any 
And so how would that look like practically for you? Let's say that's how your day is starting out. How do you appropriate, as you said, you're appropriating the forgiveness and recognizing that you need grace as well. How would that change your response to the circumstances that are, you know, putting your, you're just driving you crazy. You feel like your head's going to explode. I mean, we all have conversations with ourselves throughout the day as we're dealing with stuff. I mean, I, my uh, go-to conversation would be uh, when that stuff kind of happens to be like, this isn't fair. Uh, why is my day turning out like this? Don't people realize that I have more important things to do? Or why can't everyone get in line? You know, I have these kind of internal conversations. We all have them. And it takes time and, and more of a maybe developing the habit of turning those internal conversations into more of a gospel conversation with yourself of, you know, wait a minute. What does Jesus's perfect life have to do with this situation right now? Or how is Christ my hope right now? Those kind of questions, kind of flipping those typical conversations we have upside down. You know, I, I talk about preaching the gospel to yourself in, in the book, which is, you know, a phrase that we often hear in, in uh, Christian circles. But I, I think it's a good phrase because it reminds us that we need to keep the gospel front and center. And so... You know, that might be, that can include any number of things, including the internal dialogue that we have, but it can also be just doing things that focus your mind and heart on the gospel, whether it's listening to, you know, music that that reminds you of that, or just repeating scripture in your mind that you've memorized. You know, one of the big things I focus on is gospel-centered prayers of praying through the truths of the gospel in those moments. Um, so what I'm hearing is, is there's a, there's a discipline, there's a discipline to put into place. And I know early on in, in my faith journey, I mean, as a mother, you know, I would hear those types of things and it would sound so easy to say and so hard to do in the moment, um, you know, because it felt like expectations were being missed all the time. And, you know, I was failing at different things and dropping the ball all the time. And it really is a, it's a, it's a daily practice is what I'm hearing. It's a mindset where you need to be self-reflective during your day and when you're yelling at your children or, and be willing to have some humility in the process and, and make a different choice mentally to either address maybe a sin that you've just committed against, you know, yelling wrongly and, and being vulnerable in that moment. And then, you know, putting the word back in front of you, um, you know, listening to, to a resource or a podcast or a song and, and just turning, you know, turning your eyes upward, you know, and just looking up, look up. That was one of the best uh, pieces of advice uh, a woman at church gave me when I was having a really bad day. And that's all she said to me. She said, just look up. And I went, okay, okay. You know, and that's kind of one of my little, little trick mm-hmm. go-tos is I look up, just look up. And I'm reminded of, of the gospel and, and what Jesus and what you're sharing has done for me. And then it kind of allows me to then go absorb something more. Another tip that another mom shared with me is, you know, often we get stuck saying things like, I have to get the kids to school and then I have to go to the store and then I have to go to work and then I have to and I have to and I have to. And she said, change one word, Melissa, change one word. I'm like, what one? Get to. <laughs> you get to. 
You get to go to work, you get to go to school, you get to go to soccer practice, you get to. It is a gift, it is a blessing, this life that you're living, as difficult and challenging and overwhelming as it may be, you get to. And I went, okay, okay. You know, and it's these little things that we can put into our, our day is what you're saying in these in the books that you've written and in this particular book to refocus on hope that it is sufficient. There is, it all has a purpose. It all has a purpose. And I think I also heard you talk about like basically, and I'd love for you to expand on where our identity really rests. And, and what difference does it make? Yeah. Our identity? Yeah. What difference? Who really are we in the midst of all these things we get to do? Who, who are we? And what can we tell ourselves about that, Christina? Yeah. Oh, it is so easy to get uh, my identity from motherhood or from the circumstances that are having, whether it's, um, you know, good things or from, you know, the performance of myself or my children or just different things that are tangible that I can point to and, and use that as uh, defining characteristics of my life. But I mean, God created us to glorify him and we can do that in all, all sorts of ways and in all circumstances and they doesn't have to be big, amazing things. We can glorify him even in those mundane things as you pointed out. I mean, I, I've struggled honestly with the chauffeur hat that I wear of just not finding, uh, seeing it as a significant thing, you know, just like, uh, kind of bemoaning that my like, what have I done with my day? I look back and like, what did I actually do? I didn't do anything. But sit in my car, and I have nothing to show for it. And one of my friends reminded me that it's similar to when my kids were little, and I spent my day changing diapers and just feeding every however many hours. And at that point, I felt the same way. That what purpose does this serve? I I can't look back and see anything that's been accomplished because it's one of those tasks that you just do repetitively. And, and so finding our uh, identity and meaning in who we are in Christ becomes all that more important because when your days are lived doing those kind of repeated tasks, and if that's where your identity and meaning is, you're going to feel lost and insignificant um, and life will quickly become less. But, when you see it as you're doing that for God and faithfulness to him, and it, it changes things. One of the, I think, life-changing uh, truths for me was to re remember that my children are sinners. And it took me a while to get over my shock. I mean, I knew it in my head, but my shock when they would do the same bad things over and over again, or when they would, you knew that they were being deliberately defiant or deliberately getting into trouble. What difference does it make when we say, okay, my child is a sinner. So, and kind of like our identity, we are sinners that have been made new because of Jesus. But how does how does recognizing my child as a sinner change the way that we can get through the day? Well, the big thing is that they need the gospel too. And when I see my children sin over and over and I'm like, how come you've not gotten it yet? We've, we've gone over this lesson repeatedly and you still struggle with it. Then I have to remind myself, well, how often do I commit the same sin over and over? And the Lord has forgiven me through the blood of Jesus. And 
children are really like these little mirrors that walk around and every time I look at them, I'm really seeing my own, <laughs> my own heart and my own sinful self. And, and so, yeah, I really have to remi- rely on the gospel for hope in those situations as well, because I have to know that it's not my uh, instruction or how good I'm doing at teaching them these lessons, that they're not failing at learning something because of, you know, how I'm doing. It's because they are a sinner and that they need the gospel to transform them. And it really just makes motherhood more focused, prayer, prayer focused, because, you know, only the, the, the spirit can transform your hearts. And so in that moment, when I'm really frustrated, I'm remembering that I need the gospel, that they need the gospel. And then I'm turning to the savior to, to do that and to apply the gospel to them as well. I was speaking with a woman who was my spiritual mother. She's one of the most wonderful women, godly women that I know. And I used to babysit for her and she had three, has three boys and they were ornery as can be, but I loved it. I, I just loved being around kids. And, but I had the opportunity to say, is there anything that you would change if you go back? And she said, I would have given them more grace. I would have focused more on grace than on behavior. Their outward behavior is what I measured their inward heart by, and that was wrong. I I should have been more interested in their hearts. And this is from a Bible study leader. I mean, I resonate with that. How do you offer that grace in the middle of a meltdown? You know, what does it look like to do exactly what you just talked about, Christina, where you're in the middle of a meltdown, your child is in the middle of a meltdown. Uh, How are you helping turn their heart toward Jesus, not letting them get away with the bad behavior, but putting it into the context of grace. Well, in our, I mean, in our house, I would say when my kids were younger, I used to try to immediately kind of apply those teaching moments in the middle of a meltdown. And then I realized that emotions are pretty intense and they engage our whole body and our mind aren't really actively engaged in that moment. And so We've just developed, my husband and I, just a habit over time of really helping our kids focus on kind of calming down first, getting past that outburst, and then coming back to them later when they're able to think and talking through it. You know, what was what was happening that moment? What were you thinking that moment? You know, what what does God have to say to this? And so my, you know, my initial when my kids were really little was, I just got to get this to stop. <laughs> want all this this you know interruption this outburst to just go away um but there's just a lot that our children need from us in that moment and one of the ways we can be gracious is by realizing that i can't turn off a switch immediately when i'm in an emotional state myself i mean you know if you catch me crying i can't instantly make it go away and so just realizing that just how intense emotions are and that there is grace there, just helping them to calm down, whatever that may be. And it's been different for both of my kids, what that looks like for them. And then being faithful to come back and talk it through. Yeah. So um, I love that um, your book is focused on, on that hope because I think all of, all of the struggles we kind of face each day seem would seem very pointless if there wasn't hope and purpose and redemption in those trials and in those challenges. And every day, 
and you mentioned the word joy before, which is one of my words, but um, every day God gives us opportunities to see joy in challenges. And that's the opportunity for us to learn and grow maybe the challenges in front of us so we can share it with another mom, see something in ourselves. So it seems like, you know, there's, there's hope in everything, even in, in the, the, the things we would say are negatives or challenges, but there is joy to be had there because it's an opportunity. We have an opportunity to either you know, look up and, and look for that hope in the moment or, or look for the grace or look at ourselves and say, yeah, I, I am, you know, like, like Paul, the chief of sinners, you know, my child is doing exactly what I loved when you just said it's a mirror because there are so many times where I see something and particularly right now, my daughter and it offends me greatly. And then in about 30 seconds, I realize. oh, it sounds like me, you know, and it's a little reminder that, uh, you know, they are a product of their environment around them and we need to put good boundaries and, and practices in place so that we can be the best example um, as mothers. But I think um, we're allowed to have the same emotions too. And sometimes moms get really hard on themselves, like they have to have it all together and they have to, you know, be smiling and look great and house cleaned and, you know, organic dinner and every opportunity. Cause if my, if I say no, then my child's going to miss out on something great. And I know in your prior book, you wrote idols of a mother's heart. You talk a lot about the what ifs in life and, you know, wanting, you know, your children should turn out to be a certain way and the expectations that we put around us and all those things really get in the way of the truth, the truth of the gospel, the truth of what Jesus has done for us, um, the forgiveness that we receive each and every single day, minute by minute. And um, that, you know, the things on, if you can talk a little bit about the difference between the things on, that happen on this side of heaven versus what the eternal purpose is for all that we are doing. So, Christine, if you could just speak to maybe a woman that's sitting across from you that you meet at a coffee shop and just, you know, share your heart about that difference between the things that are happening here here on this side of heaven and, and speak some hope into their situation. I would say... Dear friend, Jesus sees you. He knows about those challenges that you face today. He knows the temptations that you have, the heartaches that you bear. He knows your sorrows and your fears. He knows those daily sufferings and your weaknesses. And he truly cares about it all. And he cares about it so much he came to do something about it. He came to be for you what you cannot be. He came to bear the weight of your sin and your shame. He came to redeem and rescue you. He came to make you into who you're meant to be, into who God created you to be. And I would say, friend, turn your eyes to him and remember that he is both the author and the perfecter of your faith. Cry out to him for help in this and receive his deliverance. Rest and rely on his spirit to be at work in you. Who's at work in you even when you don't realize it? And know that he will finish the work that he's doing in you. I would say, pray for eyes to see his hand at work in your life as well. Pray that you would catch glimpses of his grace at work in you. And pray that he would help you remember the gospel each day that he would strengthen and sustain Christina, thank you so much for those words of encouragement and 
for giving us a perspective that perhaps we haven't thought of in a long time, or maybe it's the first time that we are realizing there is sufficient hope in Jesus. Whether we are in a meltdown or it's a fabulous, wonderful day of parenting, and we know that there are many of those as well. I'm Sharon Batters, and you have been listening to a conversation with Christina Fox, author of Sufficient Hope, and Melissa Weissenfels, Executive Director of Marking Ministries. You can learn more about Christina at her blog, ChristinaFox.com. And we're going to have uh, information where you can contact Christina and links to some of her books on our website as well. Mark Inc. Ministries has a vision of offering help and hope to hurting people. And each one of our resources is designed to encourage and equip and energize you to walk by faith, no matter what your circumstances, but especially when you're experiencing a life crisis. And even though we wouldn't call mothering a life crisis, we certainly need lots of help and hope. We're so grateful for the way God has spoken through Christina in her book. You can find lots, lots of resources that are free at markinc.org. That's M-A-R-K-I-N-C.org. Each one, as I said, is designed to offer help and hope, especially in those broken places. If you have been encouraged by our conversation with Christina or by any of our resources, I hope you'll leave us a note on our website just to let us know um, that God is speaking through his word. Thank you so much for listening.